Hey, this is Daniel. Thanks for listening to DIY Money. If you haven't already, be sure to give us a five-star review on iTunes so your friends know that they can learn from the show. Now, enjoy the show. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. You're listening to another edition of DIY Money. DIY Money. Brought to you by Jewel Financial. Powerful planning for people. Purple people eaters. I, I want another P in there for powerful planning for people in their posse. Psychiatrist. Physiologist. Psychotherapist. Psychologist. <laughs> I don't know. Okay. All right. What's going on with you, Daniel? Random tangent. Hey, let me tell you something. You enjoy cooking. I I, I do. I'm cooking more because going out to eat is like giving a, a limb right oh, now. Prices have gone up. It's absurd. Substantially. I mean, you know, they say that the... The cure for high prices is high prices, <laughs> meaning people are going to back off the spending. I, there's no way that doesn't happen. I, I'm calling it now. You're gonna you're gonna see a significant shift in consumer behavior. Uh, going out to eat. I mean, it's 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 like some of the restaurants we have gone to. We frequent on the regular. It's like in the last six months, they kind of woke up and said, "Oh, we got to." Everybody else has shifted their prices. We should jack ours by fifty percent. I mean, and I'll tell you right now, we frequent eating out. We have it in the budget. We line item it. It's a it's an expense for us. We love it. I love going out to eat, not having to cook, not having to clean. It ain't happening. It is not happening. No way. Absolutely not. I oh, sorry I went on that tangent. No, oh, so anyways, my point is right I'm cooking a lot more. Great. And I'm and I'm reconstructing uh recipes. And one of the my favorite is a Thai dish, Thai basil. And we have them in town, you know, a couple places, mm-hmm. which I just love. You you don't like joining me there. You're, I don't see you afterwards. You're kind of hidden in the bathroom for a few hours. No, I just want to fall asleep. Yeah, and lots drink of rice, a lot of water. lots of rice. Oh yeah. Well, I have mastered a Thai dish, Thai basil. It is so good. And this is my I had it made it last night. It was my fifth or sixth time. It took me three times. The first couple, oh boy, that was bad awful yeah i got the ingredients wrong (laughs) wrong soy sauce anyways i love it now oh it's so good absolutely amazing there's fried egg and everything yeah i mean i i didn't do it last night because the kids you know eh, i'm the only one the one who is into that but i'm gonna try a uh i'm gonna try like a an, an asian noodle soup rice noodle soup soon uh noodle bowl because I really like that. Had that recently in a in a place, and I was like, "Oh, I got to do this. Awesome! I got to figure out the hotness though, like the right chili stuff. Mm. I need to get the right. You need to go to the market and yeah, find the right chilies. Yeah, those are interesting. They don't sell like the good chilies across. No, I know. No, you got to go to the Asian markets and get get in on that. What mm. do you like to cook? What's your favorite dish to cook? You're a cooker. Uh, well, you know, we lived in the Southwest for a while, uh, so there's a lot. Is that of... Vegas. Yeah, Southwest is Vegas desert. <laughs> like New Mexico ish is what I think. Like lived in Vegas. Like Vegas is like they're pretty much. Neighbors. I know they're Southwest, but like Vegas is like it's like it. I don't know. It's just well, a, when you go to Vegas, you hang out on the Strip. Oh, of course. We're like all over outside. Yeah, my buddy, strip. he was funny. He looked up and he's like, "Do you ever go to those mountains?" And I'm like, "A mountain is a landform that rises high above its surroundings." Do you know how far those mountains are away? Not like, that far. Oh, they're far from the Strip. They're very nah, far. Not that far. Uber doesn't go there. 30 to 60 minutes away. Can you away. take me there? <laughs> uh, was there snow on the oh, on yeah. Charleston? Yeah, it was beautiful. Yeah, this time of year, it's yeah, beautiful. It beautiful. You look up, you're in the beautiful desert. You look up, you see snow. It's great. Yeah, it's beautiful. Uh, so we a lot of um, Mexican food in, influence in our family that doesn't have any Mexican 
influence in the family, mm-hmm. but we're used to those flavors from having lived out there. You know what I just so thought we do of? a lot of tacos and all What that. did I just think of? You know what I just thought of. No. Let's get into my brain. No the idea. first time you and your wife came over for, oh, yeah. for uh, Cinco, Cinco de, Mayo. de Mayo. Do you remember? Literally big Mexican influence. In you showed up, sombreros, and both yep. of you had little mustaches on. Mm-hmm. It was awesome. And then my wife stole your guac recipe, and now she calls it her own. Yeah. And She's people like selling it near on. and far. They're like, "Can you make your guac?" And I'm like, "It's really Daniel's guac," but I'm not gonna tell her that. Yeah, TM and she TM trademark. Oh, TM. There you go. So Mexican is your jam. Yeah. So we do a lot of different uh, variations of tacos, burritos, stuff mm, like that. I'm Almost. hungry. now. Kids love quesadillas. Gosh, yeah, that's kind of like Americanized. But you know, I started doing quesadillas at tailgating on the Blackstone. Oh, oh nice. it's awesome. People come over, they're like, I got chicken, I got beef, I got all these things grilled up, peppers and onions, and then I just slap a tortilla or a thing down, burrito, whatever it is. Yeah. Put, you know, it's like made to order. Oh, it's awesome. We finally, after all these years, got a tortilla press. Well, oh, like legit. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Can't so wait we, to bring some of those in. took it up a notch in. this year. Bring some of those in. I'm interested to... That'd be like making your own pasta, which I have no desire to do. Oh, we do that too? Wow. Love fresh pasta. Oh, my gosh. Fresh oh pasta? My goodness. Wow. Are you kidding me? Jeez. All right. Let's move on because we got a good question from uh, Chad uh, today. This is an interesting one. I look forward to uh, addressing some of, the, some of the thoughts that Chad has. Chad, what do you got? D-I-Y. Hey, guys. My name is Chad. I'm from Kansas City, Missouri, although I was actually born in Lexington, so I love hearing about all of the things you guys are doing there, and it makes me feel like I'm back home when you do all the bro talk, so keep it up. My question for you today has to do with impact investing. So my wife and I are in our early 30s. We are doing all of the normal basic things. We've got an emergency fund. We're investing our 401k to make sure we get those matches on that. And we're looking at what we can do with additional money that we're looking to invest in, probably a taxable brokerage account. I know you guys talk about those a lot. It's a great thing to do. But my question is, is there a way that we can invest that money to not only get a return on investment for ourselves, but to benefit causes that we believe in? So we're looking at ways to put the money someplace. I don't want to have to invest in individual stocks myself, but is there a a fund that I can put it in or somewhere I can go where I know that money is going to be invested in companies that I believe in that are making a difference in the world and not just whatever the best growth funds are at the time? Thanks. Okay. We get this question a lot not necessarily from clients, just in general, people discussing, you know, the movement of, of social investing, impact investing. You, you'll hear the acronym ESG, Environmental Social Governance. Uh, it's a thing, and I think it's going to continue to be a thing. And I think it's an evolving thing because people don't really understand how to, how to really make that work. Um, you know, everybody perfect example. Oh, Tesla, you know, unbelievable getting rid of fossil fuels. Well, okay, a lithium battery like, you know, destroys the earth as it as it, you know, whatever, dies. Or, you know, 10-year-old kids are mining cobalt, <laughs> you know. So, it's a it's a tough balance. Um the first thing I want to say why I brought this question up though is I don't want to necessarily discourage you in this. I'm actually going to give you a, a specific uh, fund group to look at, not a recommendation at all, and I don't have any investments there personally, but I'm going to give you a fund group to, to research on your own. But what I want you to understand, and this is very important, is that when you buy or sell a stock, even though we call that investing, you are not investing in the company. They are not taking your capital and putting it to work. The only time you are giving money to a company, two times, two, two actually instances. The first is 
when you participate directly in an initial public offering. So when you are initially buy stock that's going to IPO, which most people will never do. And I don't mean, oh, Uber came public today and I bought shares. Nope. It had already gone public. When minute it starts trading on the secondary market, which is the New York Stock Exchange, NASDAQ, American Stock Exchange, etc., and you are buying and selling shares, you are buying and selling shares from people with not a dollar of that money going into the company. Now, if I lost you, just do some further research on it. The first instance you actually fund a company is an initial public offering or privately, right? I mean, if you're funding a startup or something like that, but most people are not going to do that. The second instance is when you buy a bond from a company, not on the secondary market, not buying and selling the bond on a secondary market from someone else, but when you actually buy a bond that a company has issued and you give them money to use that money to invest in what they're doing. When you buy or sell stock, you're not investing in the company. Now, you are personally investing. That's what we call it. But you are not giving them money. Now, I understand because I understand there are certain areas I will not buy stock in. There's a couple of groups. It's not even a social governance thing. It's just things I don't necessarily believe in. And I'll never buy stock in them. And the reason is I know I'm not giving them money. It could be the greatest investment in the world, meaning they could be undervalued and great and whatever. I won't put money in them. And the reason I won't is I don't even want to be associated with it. I don't even want to have it on my position sheet. I don't even want to look at the stock and go, oh, I made a lot of money in that name. Woo. Don't agree with anything they do, but boy, it was a nice return. Nope. So I don't do it. I choose not to do it. That might be you. Now, I again, I wanted you to know the difference because a lot of people don't understand that. They think when they buy a stock, they're giving the company money. I'm not giving them any of my money. We hear that all the time. Like people get upset with Elon Musk. They're like, well, I'm definitely selling my stock, not giving him any of my money. You're not giving him his money. It's already been done. The company got the money on the initial public offering. It doesn't matter. Now, yes, you buy stock and the value increases. You are indirectly possibly helping the company and the shareholders and the management and Elon Musk because his wealth is going up. So you might not want to contribute to his appreciation of stock. That's fine. But again, there there's areas where I say I'm not investing in it and I just stay away from it. And that might be you. Uh, two things to consider. One is kind of get over the hump of individual stock investing because you got to do your own due diligence and you got to say, look, I really like what this company's doing. I like what uh, you know, this management team is doing and this product is doing. And, you know, maybe for a small piece of your portfolio, you do do the research and do the due diligence and you go into those names. I would encourage you to ap approach that like the same way you would approach any other investment. Do your research, do your homework. It might be a great product, might be a great company, might be a terrible stock. So those are things to consider. There is a group, however, that's been around for a very long time called Calvert, C-A-L-V-E-R-T. And they run a group of mutual funds that have a socially responsible sort of bent to them. And, you know, I think if you benchmark the performance, it's been okay. It's probably been in line with the market. I also think that you need to look if you were, it's not a recommendation, and I personally have no investments there. Uh, but if you do decide, if you like that fund family, you need to research expenses and you, re you need to research what they own. Again, oh, it's a socially responsible fund. Well, own it. look at it. The f top 10 holdings might be eight of which you don't agree with. 
So again, you have to do the same amount of due diligence as you go into uh, you know, the fund family as well. The third thing I'm going to say is this, you know, investing long term, and I'm not trying to change your beliefs or at all. I, I respect them. I, it's admirable, and I think you should continue to research and find something that fits, um, you know, your desire. My wife and I uh, invest in outside of general tithing. We invest in in nonprofits where our ROI is maximized to the fullest. I pull 501c3 corporate tax returns. Uh, 740s? What are they called? 7770s? I don't know. The CPAs out there are... Just throw a anyways, number out. You can, you can go to goodgiving.com. You can go, they, they are supposed to publicly place their tax return in a multitude of areas. You can pull them. You can see what the administrative expenses are. You can see how much of your money goes directly to causes. And my wife and I support... Two specific organizations in our town where our ROI, the maximum amount of dollars that we give, go to the to the actual benefit of the people they're trying to serve, and we love it. I that's my social investing. That's my social investing. That's where I I look to, um, you know, maximize my sort of investing for the common good or the greater good. Last thing I'll say is this. Sorry, Dave. I know they said that was my sure. last thing. I also like to invest alongside of people. I have some private investments. This is much more difficult to find. But I have some private investments with people who who pursue what they call double bottom line investing. They're trying to make a profit in their investments, but they're also using a a majority of the profit to give back to the community or give back to the causes or or organizations that, that they participate with. I love that as well. Uh, that's a great movement as well that that really um, I'm involved in, and I think it's fantastic. Do your due diligence. I think it's admirable. Uh, really get to the heart of what you're looking to accomplish, and then move forward. My man. What say you, Daniel? Um, sort of similarly to you, but in probably a less complex way. I pretty much do our financial plan and then allocate our funds accordingly. And as far as allocation into investments go and lining up with our sort of ESG preferences, I'm actually pretty agnostic. Uh, I make sure the company's a good investment, but broadly speaking, I'm mostly in well-allocated index-type positions and then um, some sort of one-off dividend-paying companies that are good, stable, well-known American brands. But other than that, I don't uh, split that hair, but then I take the profits from that and uh, try to do kind of return that into good in the world. That's easier for me to direct than trying to really understand the nuances of a company, figuring out whether or not they're passing a checklist that somebody thought was relatively you know, aligned with the beliefs that needed to be aligned. Uh, I personally find that fairly arduous to try to navigate on that side of things uh, when there's pretty well-oriented basic asset allocation index funds that you can ride sort of the um, capitalism of America, get returns, and then use those returns to do lots of good. So that's kind of a cop-out when you say it out loud, but you're utilizing the great American economy and then returning that great American economy to uh, to social, whatever social things that you find worthy of investing on the back end. I like that. I mean, I think you have to identify what things you're not going to support. You sure. know, it's more about what it is that you're not going to support. So if 
if you're not going to support fossil fuel, then you need to, you know, just make sure your investments have no tie to fossil fuels, you know? Yeah. The issue I run into is at some point you have to split a hair and be okay with something. So you might not Mm -hmm. invest in, you know, Chevron and ExxonMobil, but are you going to invest in airlines and UPS and FedEx and all those things? And they're all doing their best, right, to, to get better and better on the ESG front. But somewhere along the line... Uh, aside from like really heavily moral value type stuff, when we're talking about the ESG stuff, somewhere along, along the line, one of your companies is going to, you're going to have to split hair somewhere. Your most honorable, majestic, majesty, graciousness. Did you say hoss and fever? Like we're okay if their suppliers use oil to get their supplies to them. Yeah, you you could really go down rabbit holes that are, that are very, very difficult to get away from. And that's why a company like Tom's yeah. is not public. Mm-hmm. I mean, Tom's is a shoe company, and they make shoes, and you buy a pair of shoe, and it gives a pair of shoe to somebody else, right? I mean, so buy shoes, right? I mean, buy Tom's shoes. I mean, not the stock, because it's not public. You, you know, you don't have the ability to do that. Ben & Jerry's, same thing. Owned by Unilever, though. Is it now? Yeah. So they sold out. Been they were like, I'm out. But Done. it is an important point, because private companies can be more focused on a cause. Public companies uh, legally have to be focused on shareholder returns to some extent. Yeah. So they will do ESG to the extent that uh, it's good for shareholder returns, or that's what they should do. So keep in mind, public companies drive shareholder value is their their mandate. main focus. Yep. So take a look at the Calvert Fund family again. Uh, just familiar with them, don't have investments in them. Make sure you understand the fees associated with that. Understand if it's appropriate for your risk tolerance and your whole, you know, goals and objectives. And then again, most importantly, look at the fund lineup. Make sure you're okay with uh, with what is exactly in those funds and that it aligns with what you're trying to achieve. Great question. It's a question that I think is on a lot of people's minds, and uh, hopefully we've we've added some value there. So thanks for that. Sound good, Chad? Chad, I really appreciate it. All right. Remember, friends, the secret to wealth is pretty simple. Live on less than you make. Invest the rest. Do so for a very long time. Make it a great one. Thanks for listening to this episode of the show. If you want your question aired on the show, be sure to send that to us and you'll get a $25 Amazon gift card. This show is for entertainment and educational purposes only and is not intended as personal financial advice. Before making any financial decision, please do your homework and consult a financial advisor as needed. 